Last week we began a brand new summer series called Authentic. The subtitle is How to Know Your Faith is Real. And each Sunday during the summer we're going to be working our way through the book of 1 John. Now last week we were in 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. And, and let me just, some of you weren't here, let me summarize for you just in a sentence or two what this was about last week. In 1 John verses 1 through 4, John wanted to basically communicate this one truth. Jesus is real. He was writing to a group of believers who were being influenced by a heresy called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism basically taught that Jesus was, he seemed to be real, he seemed to be human, but he wasn't. Or they also taught that he was only divine for a little while. And so John begins the letter this way, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. In other words, John was saying, folks, this is not a phantom. This is somebody that we have seen and heard and touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. John wanted his readers to know something. wanted the church to know something. Jesus is real. Then he goes on to say, and so is your sin. In verses 5 through 10, John deals with the reality of sin in the lives of believers. Folks, if you're going to have an authentic faith, it will require you also be authentic regarding your sin. You see, every Christian has a sin problem. Would you agree with that? Every Christian has a sin problem. In fact, I want you to turn to somebody near you and look at them and say, you've got a sin problem. Go ahead. Now the fact that you enjoyed saying that shows the depth of your sin problem. We all have a sin problem. In fact, many Christians refer to themselves as, finish the sentence, many Christians refer to themselves as sinners saved by grace. We like to quote that. We're sinners saved by grace. But I found something interesting this week. The intriguing thing to me is how the Bible refers to us once we have come to faith in Christ. In in Romans chapter 1 verse 7, you don't have to turn there, but in Romans chapter 1 verse 7, it says that we are loved by God and called to be saints. Loved by God and called to be saints. Now don't let that word saint uh, mess you up or get you off track. The word saint simply is the idea behind the word, is, is the idea of holiness. We're called by God to live a holy life. We are called by God to be devoted to Him. We are, the word holy means separated and, and set apart for a purpose. We are called by God that our lives should be separated and devoted to God. But that doesn't mean that we're perfect. Yes, the Bible calls us saints, but sometimes we are saints who sin. It's interesting that neither the Old Testament nor the New Testament tries to whitewash the sins of the saints. For example, in, in the Old Testament, you see David, a man after God's own heart, but very graphically, we, we, are, we see the story of how David sinned in the Old Testament in several different times. In the New Testament, you have a man like the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men have ever lived, great evangelist, Bible teacher, church planner, evangelist, and yet Paul referred to himself as the chief of all sinners. So we we see both things, don't we, in the Word of God. We see that we are sinners saved by grace, but we also see that the Bible says, but this is how God sees it. You were saints, called to be holy. But we have to be honest and admit that sometimes we are saints who sin. And John, in his letter, deals with this extensively, especially in chapters 1 and 2. 
I want you to notice how John begins this discussion of our sin. It's quite interesting. He begins the discussion of our sin by describing God. Look in verse, chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. I wrote in the column of my study Bible, that's my goal in preaching and teaching. I don't know if you called it. Let me read it to you again. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. That's my goal every time I stand before you. And John says, this is the message God's given me. This is the message that God wants me to deliver to you. Here's my sermon, if you will, John is saying. Here it is. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Now in the Bible, light and darkness have always illustrated good and evil. The the contrast between good and evil. In fact, put your finger in 1 John, go to another book that John wrote, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 19. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 19. We see this contrast in the Gospel of John between light and darkness, between good and evil. He says, this is the verdict, light, speaking of Jesus, has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. When the Bible refers to God or Jesus as light, it is simply saying that God has absolute purity, He has absolute holiness, He has absolute goodness, and John explains it this way, in Him there is no darkness at all. God is absolutely pure, absolutely holy, absolutely good. There is no, there's not even a, a hint of sin in God. There's not even a, a, a hint of, of unrighteousness in God. There is no darkness in Him at all. So you say, well, Pastor Keith, what does that have to be with me, do with me and the sin in, in my life? Well, when we understand who God is, then we will approach our sin in one of two ways. John says there's two ways that you can deal with the sin in your life as a saint. Now, here's the first way. We try to cover our sins. Because God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If there is sin in us, one of the ways that we try to to deal with the sin in our lives, John says, first of all, we can try to cover our sins. And we try to cover it in three different ways. First of all, we try to cover our sins by lying to others. Look at verse 6. Here's what he says. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Now, there's several words there I want you to notice. The first one is the word we. It's encouraging to me that John, the aged apostle John, uses the word we. He is including himself in this, this explanation of sin. John didn't say, if you claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, you lie. John says, we. In other words, John says, we all have a sin problem. We all struggle with this issue of trying to cover our sin. And then he uses the word walk. It's a metaphor for living your life. When he talks about walking, it's a metaphor for living your life. And he talks about walking in darkness. It means it's talking about living in sin. You might want to write that in the column of your Bible. Living in sin is what he's talking about. Look at the verse again in verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk or live in sin, we lie and do not live by the truth. 
Now, why in the world would we lie to others about our sins? Because we want our Christian friends to think we're better than we are. We want our Christian friends to think we're spiritual. We want people to think that we are walking with God. And so we lie about our lives and we try to make our lives look better. Listen, I want to tell you something. See if this makes sense. If you have to lie about that relationship that you're in, if you have to lie about that place that you're going, if you have to lie about what you're doing or what your plans might be, that might be an indication you shouldn't be doing it. That might be, if you're lying about something, it's probably an indication you're living in sin. John says if you're lying, trying to cover up something, you're living in sin. Now, we've seen just this week how easy it is for folks to do that, haven't we? If you've watched the World Cup, I don't know if you've been watching the World Cup, but I think it was on Tuesday, Uruguay was playing Chile, uh, or no, Italy. And Uruguay and Italy was playing, and the star player for Uruguay, Luis Suarez, the star striker for, for Uruguay. About three-fourths through the match, in the heat of battle, if you will, he kind of went over to one of the Italy players and bit him on the shoulder. I mean, bit him. This is not a toddler, okay? This is a grown man. And in fact, this is the third time he's been caught biting someone on the shoulder during a soccer match third time. Now, I don't know if you realize it, but there are, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 different cameras, you know, covering that soccer match. Everybody in the world saw him bite that guy, except the referee. He didn't see it, but but everybody in the world, in fact, you can watch the tape, and and he he runs over and and he clamps down on that guy. And, and, and the Italian guy, he pulled down his shirt and was showing the referee, he bit me. You, you look, look, he bit, he bit me. What was so interesting, what was so funny to me, the next day, Luis Suarez said, I did not bite him. <laughs> he said, it did not happen like you think it did. I'm, I'm almost quoting now verbatim. He said, I lost my balance and I fell against him. And my mouth hit his shoulder. No, that's not what happened. You bit him. You, you clamped down on him. You left teeth marks in him. You didn't bump into it. But I realize there's a, there's a little bit of Luis Suarez in all of us. Because we do lie. Trying to cover up our sin. And make ourselves look better. That's one of the ways you can deal with sin in your life. It's not a good way, but it's a way. We try to cover up our sins by lying to others. Here's a second way you can deal with your sin. You can deal with it by, we try to cover our sins by lying to ourselves. In verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive, what's that next word? Ourselves. And the truth is not in us. You see, once you start lying to others, it makes it easier for you to lie to yourself. It's possible for a believer to live in sin and to convince themselves that everything is fine with them and the Lord. Listen again, listen, listen, listen. It is possible for a believer to live in sin and to convince themselves that everything is fine between them and the Lord. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that what we're doing is really not sin. It's something else, but it's not sin. And we convince ourselves of that. 
we actually begin to believe the lie that we're telling others. And we get offended if somebody tries to point out our sin. Because we have convinced ourselves it is not sin. Someone has said that the three hardest words in the English language to say are these. I have sinned. John said in verse 8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And notice how he describes it. And the truth is not in us. A lie is in us, not the truth. We can cover our sins by lying to others. We can cover our sins by lying to ourselves. And the third way we try to cover our sins, uh, we try to cover our sins by making God out to be a liar. I didn't say we lie to God. I said we make God out to be a liar. He says it right there in verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him, God, out to be a liar. And His Word has no place in our lives. We see or hear what God says in His Word. We're reading one day what God says in His Word about our sin. Or we hear somebody preach a message or teach a lesson, and God speaks to us through His Word about our sin. And when we have the audacity to say, I have not sinned, even though God says you have, one of you is lying. If you're reading in God's Word, hearing God's Word, and God points out a sin, and you say, I have not sinned, this is not sin, one of you is lying. You are in essence saying, God, you're a liar, because I haven't sinned. This is not sin. It's something else. This is a relationship. This is not sin. This is a problem. It's not sin. This is an issue. It's not sin. John says, if that's your situation, very graphic in his words here, he says, his word has no place in your life. Your lies are crowding out his word. You have ignored and rejected God's word, and you're crowding out the word of God. Now, did you notice in verse 6, 8, and 10 that all three verses begin with the same phrase, the same three words in verse 6, 8, and 10? It's the phrase, if we claim. Note it, read it, look, follow along as I read it. If we claim to have fellowship with Him. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned. This passage is describing a believer who is living a dishonest life. This passage is describing a believer who is a phony. It's just church talk. He's learned the language, but he's not living the life. It's church talk. And you can cover your sins with church talk. And you can claim that you don't have a problem. You can claim that it's not sin. You can claim a lot of things, but it's just church talk. Trying to make yourself look better or feel better, but it's church talk. I want to tell you something. Church talk will never, ever rid you of your sins. In fact, Proverbs 28.13 says, He who conceals his sin does not prosper. He who hides his sin does not prosper. So John says, God, verse 5, God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. So one of the ways that we deal with that reality when there is sin in our life is, first of all, we try to cover our sin and make ourselves seem better than we are. John said there's a second way you can deal with the sin that's in your life. Instead of covering your sin, the second way you can deal with it is to confess your sins. Verse 7, 
But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Verse 9, if we confess our sins instead of covering it, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. John makes a very interesting and encouraging statement in verse 7. I want you to get your pen or pencil handy because there's a word you need to mark or circle or underline, highlight, whatever you need to do. I'll tell you where the word is in just a moment. Read verse 7. Follow closely. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' His Son purifies us. And here's the word from, here's the word, all. From how much? All sin. It occurred to me that we understand that word all in most contexts. We don't have a problem understanding what the word all usually means. If you go to the doctor and you're sick and he says, now, I'm going to give you this prescription, this penicillin prescription, and I don't want you to stop taking it when you start feeling better. I want you to take all of it. We, we don't have a problem understanding that. We know what that means. We need to take all of it. We need to take every pill in the bottle. We don't, under, we don't have a problem with that. Or... If we go to, uh, let's say, uh, Krispy Kreme, the hot now light is ready, uh, or light is on, and, and so we stop in and, and we get a dozen of those donuts. It, it, that's just, it's just a dozen box of sin is what that is. That's what it is. <laughs> but we get a dozen of those donuts, you know, and, and we eat one or two of them. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Before we get to the car. And then we eat a few more, you know, when we get home. And, and then you leave five or six of them because you've got a plan. plan is tomorrow after work, when you come home, you're going to have a nice little treat. And so the next day after work, you're coming home and you're driving home, you're thinking, I got those Krispy Kreme donuts at home. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that box. I'm going to sit in my recliner. I'm going to turn on Sports Center. I'm going to have a good afternoon, good evening. And so you get home and you go to the box and it feels light. And you open it up and it's empty. And you go to your teenage son and he's got icing on his mouth still. And you say, did you eat all those donuts? And he goes, mm-hmm. We don't, under, we don't have a problem understanding that word all. We know that it means every one of them. But somehow, when it comes to the forgiveness of our sins, we begin to translate that word as some. We begin, we begin to translate the word all as most. But if I look in the text, here's what it says. And the blood of His Son purifies us from all sin. You know why we translate it sometimes in our minds as most or as some? It's because we did something one time that we can't forget. When, we were, when you were 21, perhaps, you had an abortion and you haven't been able to get past that. You, you, you haven't been able to forgive yourself and and you know the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us of some sin, but not that one. Or, or, or maybe it was 
you had an affair three years ago. Nobody on the planet knows about it except you and that other lady. Nobody knows about it and it's just killing you inside. And you're, you're translating that verse, the blood of Jesus purifies us of most sin. Or it could have been a hundred other things that you've done recently. Maybe something you did last night or last week or last month and you didn't think you'd ever do it, but you did it. And you can't believe that you did it, but you did. And, and, and you've just been racked with guilt and it's hard for you to even to sleep at night because of the sin that you've done that you didn't think you'd do, but you did. And, and now you're struggling with the guilt of all of it. And, and the guilt is just weighing you down. And Satan has convinced you that the blood of Jesus Christ will forgive us of most of our sins. But if you'll read this word one more time. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. How could God do that? How could God forgive you of all sin? He tells us, what's the words before the word all? What's that sentence before the word all? Here's what it is. The blood of Jesus Christ purifies us. We'll talk about that some more next week, so I'm not going to get into it too much, except just to have you understand that the, the basis of your forgiveness is not your contrition. The basis of your forgiveness is not your sincerity. The basic... The basis of your forgiveness is not your sadness. It's, it's not your commitment to do better. The basis of your forgiveness is the shed blood of Jesus Christ where He died on Calvary's cross for your sin. Now, I'm going to ask you a very important question. This, this is going to be a question that's going to give somebody freedom in the area of the guilt you're carrying. So listen carefully. At the moment of your salvation... At the moment of your salvation, did Jesus Christ forgive you of all your sins? Think about it this way. I believe the Bible teaches that at the moment of salvation, when you placed your faith in Christ and what He did for you on the cross, that all of your sins, past, present, and future, were forgiven by God. I hear that again. At the moment of salvation, when you place your faith in what Christ did on the cross for you, at that moment when you claim by faith God's forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ, at that moment, all of your sins, past, present, and future, were forgiven by God. You say, well, I, I don't know about that, Keith. I, that, that, I'm not sure about that. Well, let me ask you a question. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? All of them. All of them. He died for all your sins. He didn't just die for some of them. He didn't just die for most of them. He died for all of your sins. In fact, I want to show you this in Scripture because I don't want you to take my word for it. You should always be able to verify what I say in Scripture or any other preacher or teacher for that matter. Go over to the left to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Look in verse 10 through 14. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. And what's the next three words? 
Once for all. Once for all. Verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstools because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. He made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. Now, now you're going to have to watch me. I'm going to go across the stage here. You're going to have to watch me. Jesus, when He died on the cross, died for all of your sins, past, present, and future. And when you place your faith in Him and His death on the cross, the Bible says in God's eyes, you're made perfect. It's as if you've never sinned. But, that, but He said, made perfect those who are, what? Being made holy. In other words, though in God's eyes, because He looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ, in God's eyes, He sees us as perfect, and all of my sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven. I am restored to God. Yet, I'm still in the flesh. And I still struggle sometimes with sin. I'm in the process, the Bible says in that verse, of being made holy. I'm, I'm growing more. I'm becoming more like Jesus. But I'm in that process of being made holy. So why do we need to confess our sins? This is a good question. I'm glad you asked it. Why, If all of my sins were forgiven by God when I placed faith in Christ, past, present, and future, if all of my sins were forgiven, why do I need to confess my sins and ask for forgiveness? There are some who even teach that once you've placed your faith in Christ, you don't need to ask for forgiveness anymore. You just need to claim the forgiveness that's already given you. Listen to me, that is not true. All of my sins have been forgiven. Make sure you listen. All of my sins have been forgiven. However, that's, that's God's judicial forgiveness. All of my sins have been forgiven, but... I still need to confess my sins to God because of what it does for me. Because it restores my fellowship with my Heavenly Father. Do you hear that? Do you see that? I have to confess my sins because it restores my fellowship with my Heavenly Father. You see, true confession uh, is, is an important thing for us to do because true confession is what restores the fellowship Confess simply, it means more than simply admitting your sin. The word confess means to say the same thing. That's the definition, to say the same thing. To confess sin means to say the same thing about it that God says about it. Confession is not about, watch this, it's not about saying some moving prayer. It's not about crying tears. It's not about trying to move the heart of God. That's not what confession is. Confession is when you finally agree with God that it is sin. You finally agree with God that it shouldn't be in your life. When you confess, you basically turn yourself in. You know you're guilty. God knows you're guilty. And when you confess, you're simply turning yourself in. Just this week, I was, I was watching something on the, on the, uh, on the news. It was uh, one of those news channels on, on the internet. And, and it had a video of this motorcyclist 
It was a security camera from another building showed the accident occur. A pedestrian was coming across the street. A motorcyclist was coming down the street. And the motorcyclist hit the pedestrian, knocked him down, severely injured him. And the motorcyclist took off. You saw it right there on the, on the, on the film. Now, the motorcyclist knew he was, for, he was guilty. The pedestrian knew he was guilty. The law knew he was guilty. They had it on film. But he took off. He was running. The next day, though, he came and he turned himself in. He knew he was guilty. Everybody else knew he was guilty. They saw it. The law knew he was guilty. So here's what he did. He came and he turned himself in. That's what God wants you to do. You know you're guilty. Others may even know about your sin. They know you're guilty. God certainly knows you're guilty. He's got it on tape. And He's waiting on you to turn yourself in. That's what forgiveness is. Or that's what confession is. Confession is when I agree with God, I call it what it is. It's sin, and I turn myself in. True confession involves two things. It involves naming your sin. God, it's lust, it's greed, it's, it's adultery. God, it's stealing. God, it's this, it's this. And then it's turning away from it. Said, but I don't want it anymore. Now, I want you to bow your heads with me. And I'm going to ask you a few questions as we close today. I want you to listen. Bow your heads and just listen to the text as I read this verse. If we confess our sins, make sure your heads are bowed. Just listen, let the Spirit of God speak to you. If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just. He is faithful and just. Aren't you glad that He is? Aren't you glad that He's faithful when you're not? God's faithful to you when you're not faithful to Him. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. And will, not maybe, but will forgive us our sins and purify us. And here's that word again, from all unrighteousness. Earlier I quoted to you Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, but I only quoted half the verse. Let me quote the whole verse for you now. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but... Whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Whoever confesses and renounces finds mercy. And that's what God is offering you today. A chance to find mercy. Now there are only two types of Christians that I know of. There are those who are in fellowship with God and those who are out of fellowship with God. There are those who are as best they can are walking in the light not perfectly, but they're walking in the light. Or there are those who are walking in the darkness. And the question is, which one are you? I pray that today you'll decide you want to walk in the light. I pray that today you'll decide you're going to stop lying to yourself, stop lying to others, stop calling God a liar when He says that's sin and you say it's not. God says it is, you say it's not. Stop calling God a liar and come today and agree with God. It is sin. It's sin in my life. And I renounce it. And I reject it. And I ask for your forgiveness. And for your mercy. Then. You'll find freedom. And forgiveness. And grace. 
I'm going to ask you to come today and do that here at this altar. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you that all of us can come to you. None of us are excluded. And thank you that we can find forgiveness from all of our sin. Not some and not part, but all. But we recognize, Lord, that only is possible because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross for us. Today, I pray that people will come and will find mercy and grace as they accept your free gift. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.